anytime you go with that card and you shop at one of the retailers, you get this discount value given to you, which you can then use back at that retailer or at another retailer within, within the system. And from your perspective, all you see is, you know, $1 off, $2 off, $3 off. So you don't have to kind of work out, you know, is this 17,000 points and, and a banana, and, you know, and a Bitcoin and, a, you know, something. It's none of that. It's just really simple. Just earn a reward and spend a reward. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlek, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Bish. Bish, thank you so much for being here with us today. Wonderful. I love being here. I love being an amazing. Awesome. So give everybody the highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Sure, sure, sure. Um, well, thanks for inviting me on here anyway. My name is Bish. Um, I am CEO of a company uh, in the UK called Enigmatic Smile. Uh, we run reward programs for lots of big organizations or put them together to lots of big organizations. Um, and I also am working with a, a cryptocurrency called Vow. Where, which tokenizes discount vouchers around the world and the two sort of universes meet in what I do every single day. There you go. <laughs> Very cool. So how did you get into cryptocurrencies as your thing? Oh, well, I mean, initially we were involved in reward programs and promoting businesses and getting out there. And I mean, actually, when, when I look back at it, when I was about 19 years old, we started doing door-to-door -door sales, selling like vouchers and you know, selling like $20 vouchers door to door. And um, I thought it was the most hilarious thing I'd ever seen in my entire life that people would go and sell stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but I loved it so much and I had such a good time. And we ended up um, running like a thousand people that, you know, th that grew that business into a thousand people who were out there speaking to people and promoting stuff and doing things. Um, and then it kind of evolved into how could you tie all discounts together into one product, which evolved into uh, prepaid cards and tracking uh, tracking systems for debit cards and credit cards, which evolved into uh, blah, 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 and ended up in a situation where we were uh, tokenizing the whole cashback or reward amounts across across the board. So that is a kind of long journey that 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 we've been on to get where we are at the moment. Well, that sounds super fun. So explain to us, how, how does it work? What does it do? Well, on a basic level, if you're a bank or if you're a, um, if you're a large media house or if you're, I mean, somebody with at least a million audience or, or more, yeah, then what you want is you want more customers to consume your, um, consume your services or to use your credit cards or debit cards or whatever. And so what we do is we make it really easy for them to plug into an ecosystem of offers which just track on their existing debit cards and credit cards. Um, and that's what we do on what we call the reward program side, where we're gathering big reward programs to, to join us. And on the other side of it, um, we recognize there was a, a big space um, for all the people who are involved in cryptocurrency, whatever cryptocurrency it happens to be. Most of that, most of that entire universe is nonsense, like complete, utter nonsense. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't really say that publicly, yeah, but uh, basically we think that anybody that's invested in it has figured that one out, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, no, well, no, I don't think that's I mean, there's there's a lot of people who've made a lot of money and there's oh, a lot of enough. good in the technology and in in Bitcoin and everything that's 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 happening there because it is the alternative to the centralization of 
uh, of uh, the planet that I know that is uh, one of your favorite subjects to talk about. Um, <laughs> but in terms of in terms of uh, crypto, I believe in that philosophy. But at the same time, I'm not really into this idea of speculation and gambling and winning and losing on a day to day basis. So what we realized was that all of these rewards that businesses are issuing all around the world, discounts and coupons and stuff like that, there's $7 trillion every year that's issued in these programs. And because we were already running those type of programs, we were thinking, is there an efficient way to, um, to turn all of that value that's just, I mean, if you go into a business and get 20% off, two minutes later, where did the 20% go? What what was this value? And, and when people are selling courses and doing different things, what is that value? It's it's a perception of value. But after you do the deal, what happens to the value? And it vaporizes into nothing. Um, and we thought, well, what happens if we could tokenize that value and make it interchangeable across thousands of different businesses and entrepreneurs all over the world? Um, and that's what we are essentially doing. We've created a reserve currency for the discounts and voucher codes that businesses are offering all around the world. And of course, decentralized that into a, an ecosystem where it's kind of there and existing, but we, it, it has a function, which is all the rewards within the programs we're operating run in that, in that that uh, through that token. So we're growing that ecosystem um, and finding it very interesting because we give value to every single cryptocurrency that wants to be spent into the real world, um, if that makes any sense. <laughs> kind of, sort of, but I have a sneaking suspicion we will delve into that. So my comprehension of tokens is, well, let's kind of separate them one from a, like an NFT. So it's not an NFT in that it's not kind of participating after the spend in, in that somebody else gets to go and spend it. It's an actual token. So once it's spent, does it go back to the store? Does it go back to the rewards company? Where do, who, who is in possession of the token? Yes, after it's spent? That's a great uh, thing. And just for your listeners, an NFT is a non-fungible token, which means it's non-fungible, as in it could be a piece of artwork or it could be, you know, anything which represents an, a something, a right or an object that is singular, you know, so, you know, anything like that. Um, and uh, that is in the real world that we operate in every single day. <clears throat> if you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you were standing at your door and um, a business dropped a, a, a mail drop at your door, let's say a Domino's 50% off voucher or £10 off of Domino's, for example. So now I pick up this $10 off voucher off Domino's. That was created by Domino's, issued by Domino's, and now I can go and use that at Domino's with the rest of my money and, and get $10 off whatever I was, whatever I was buying. So the, it, it holds interesting things here because that is a, a sense of value or some value that doesn't have a value. You can't go in and take £10 or $10 off of Domino's in cash. All you can do is use it against their products and services. Um, and so the, the question is, is a discount voucher rather than a stored value itself, a discount voucher, which can be reused against that brand, ends up back with the brand. It gives value to the brand. It gives value to the consumer. And generally, most businesses around the world have tried some sort of promotional mechanic like that. But let's say that Domino's now take that $10 off discount voucher and print it in 10 million newspapers or give it out all across the internet. Now you end up in a situation where you have to ask a question. Is Domino's on the hook 
for $10 million. I mean, do they have to put that in their books that they owe $10 million to customers? And of course they don't, because there is no real stored value there. It's only some sort of future uh, discount on sales that Domino's have issued into the universe. And so if you think of that as a, a non-fungible discount voucher or a non-fungible token, which can be used at, at only that specific issuing merchant, and you think that every other merchant around the planet does that all day long, and all of them are giving out these vouchers and accepting back these vouchers against their future sales. What happens if you could take all of those vouchers that are non-fungible and make them fungible? As in, I can use the Domino's voucher to go into, I don't know, the bookstore and get $10 off of a book. And the bookstore's $10 off voucher can now be used in Domino's to get $10 off of my pizza. So that's what that's the space that we looked at. All of these retailers are already doing it all over the world. But what could we do with that essentially in a financial framework layer of liquidity that exists across the planet? in all of these different businesses, how could we take that layer of, uh, of, uh, of liquidity and turn it into something fungible? And the way we do that is by allowing the retailers to first start issuing those discounts in a digital way so it can be tracked, making sure we make them transparent on the blockchain so everyone knows which discount vouchers people have given out and which ones they need to accept back from people. So it's a fair sort of ecosystem. And then to protect against default, and in order to make the process uh, transparent, we ask the retailers to purchase 20% of the value they want to issue in discount vouchers as a sort of um, as a sort of stake within the system. So if they want to issue a million dollars, they stake $200,000, issue a million dollars, and once they accept back a million dollars, they burn the the million dollars and they get back their $200,000. So we've created this ecosystem where because all merchants are issuing and accepting and they've all got a stake behind what they're actually doing, you create an experience for the consumer where the discount vouchers are able to be used across the board digitally in any app, any program, anyone that, that joins. And that, cre that results in cost savings of up to 80% for retailers and a better all round experience for a consumer. So that's that's how the the words crypto or, or blockchain or Web3, whichever words we use for it, it just means transparent and the ownership is under the user's control um, rather than some private company up there which is doing that. That's what we do in the tokenomic sense. But in the, in the actual normal reward program sense, if you're a reward program participant and you... Uh, I mean, everybody probably, so your listener does engage in some form of reward program. And to be honest with you, most of them are pretty unmemorable and uh, pretty constrained and rewards run out the minute you want to use them. And, you know, you, you, you try and collect some sky miles or some, I wouldn't say specific brand, but any kind of, uh, any kind of air mile or something like this, and then it runs out or you can't use it or the value of it can only be used in a certain location or a certain time, or I get cash back here and I forget to reuse it and can't withdraw it until I get $10 and too, too much complication. It, I can only use it in this merchant, that merchant. It's just not what I want in form of a reward because to be honest with you, most, most Americans and uh, Canadians and UK people have maybe 11 different discount cards that nobody ever uses. Um, and they all use them once or twice and then forget about them. Um, and at the same time, I walk into a restaurant. Um, one of my favorite foods is Indian. When I go into the local Indian restaurant, the guy 
Abdul or whatever his name is, turns around to me and he says, uh, thanks for being an awesome customer. You can have 10% off. I didn't ask for it. He just gave me 10% off because I'm a good customer. So I, I don't, this this whole thing, this whole space um, has, has been ripe for disruption and no one's done it right at scale um, in a big way. And that's the kind of thing I'm enthusiastic about on a day-to-day basis. Nice. So is it a... Um... I don't even know what the word is because I, <laughs> I love this whole realm. Is, is it something that I can like take on shake pay and then go and spend it on, you know, as cash for lack of a better word? Yeah. So, so, so when you look at regulation and stuff around the place, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of strange because you, you can have something called a prepaid instrument, which is something where people prepay for. So if you pay for something, then theoretically the money there should be backing it like a gift card or, or, or something like that. Um, whereas you know that a discount voucher, as I said earlier, isn't something where you can actually take into Domino's and get them to give you $10 back because nobody thinks that way. You just know it's a discount. Um, and so in terms of the way that this process is promoted and explained, it is very simple. It's not cash redeemable. It's only usable. And that's the real thing that that people want is more and more and more usable value in an easily usable way. So yes, you link your credit card or debit card up in any program that's connected. And there's tons of programs joining up all the time. And anybody who wants to run a reward program just plugs in and they get tons of merchants, tons of offers, everything for free. And then once you've linked your Visa card, your MasterCard, your any kind of card to the to the system. Anytime you go with that card and you shop at one of the retailers, you get this discount value given to you, which you can then use back at that retailer or at another retailer within within the system. And from your perspective, all you see is you know one dollar off, two dollars off, three dollars off. So you don't have to kind of work out you know is this seventeen thousand points and and a banana. And, you know, and a Bitcoin and, a, you know, something. It's none of that. It's just really simple. Just earn a reward and spend a reward. 90 IQ level, very simple that all of us kind of can interact with on a day to day basis. And I can tell you that since my mom started using it, uh, where whereas just like she downloads an app and begins, it, it's, it's a no brainer. So if my mom uses it and she likes it, then I think, you know, everybody on the planet can can enjoy that facility. Thanks. So it it is essentially an app that uh, that I can download, and then when I go to a merchant, I just open up the app and go, "Hey, what's my thing?" Or does it recognize me somehow as being a participant in all of this, and and that I get to, you know, hey, do you want to spend your ten dollars or you get your ten percent discount? So do they no, ask me, or do am I actively participating, or am I passively participating? You're you're completely passively uh, participating in terms of the earn. Um, yeah. it's not an app that is a singular thing. It's yeah. the existing reward program that you're in will okay. then come and offer you to link a debit card to that reward program. And once you link that debit card, once you start just collecting free money, when you bump into any of the shops, which are on board, the, the, the interesting <laughs> tell thing, it to my husband, I didn't go shopping. I just bumped into a couple of stores. That's all. That's it it. Just, just <laughs> magnetize all of this stuff to you. Um, <laughs> um, but the real, the real, the real thing is, that earning factor that you're earning as you're bumping around doesn't cost anyone any money, right? They're just giving you discount vouchers like the ones that arrive at your doorstep. It didn't, other than the mail itself, it didn't actually cost any, any revenue to the business. What's interesting is when you actually go and reuse it. So the system we're only interested in is maximizing the people's ability to be able to reuse it 
and making that process as easy as possible within as many reward programs as possible. So when you want to go and reuse it, that experience should be as easy as using Apple Pay today, right? It, sh it should be just that simple. And that's what we're doing, working with reward programs to ensure that their interfaces are capable of that smoothness that uh, you know consumers want. And let's face it, you, you know, in the old days, you used to walk into a shop and they used to give you a little sort of uh, a, a little sort of docket that you fill in your details to join the program. All of that data is just out there with somebody watching you. Um, we give you complete control of the data within any of the uh, systems that are there. So we're built in the UK and in Europe, we use GDPR and that's kind of uh, working its way around the world, you know, in, into every everywhere as a standard where data belongs to the actual person whose data it is. So we build on those standards and we're all PCI, you know, PCI level one service providers and stuff. So it's all very secure and detailed and creates an environment for um, for an end user, which is pretty much, you know, pretty cool. So if you're a consumer, then you can just join it and enjoy yourself through any reward program. And if you're a reward program operator, you can just plug in and get more offers for your consumers to make it better for them. So it's an ecosystem play in, in, that, in that way. Um, and uh, getting back to... The kind of point of um, uh, of the whole thing. What's interesting is the the idea of control over people. If you are a supermarket and issue and you issue points to Michelle when she goes shopping, and those points and the value of those points are determined by the supermarket. So you collect five thousand up, and in the end, you can have a don't mess with the Zohan DVD <laughs> that you didn't even want. Okay. Um, if that's how the value is created, that is determined by a third party, it's similar to the way that money is issued in the first place, which is by a central party issuing money for a country or a region or, or, or however it works. And although that's kind of a controversial subject, the centralized issuance of currency is, the, is what you break when you allow any retailer to start issuing uh, a sense of value within a wider network. And that, um, that aligns perfectly with the ideas of blockchain and where the whole idea of self-sovereignty over your money and your identity and everything comes. So I think that's where we're at. I'm talking a lot. <laughs> You're doing great. And I'm, I'm going, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't know what questions to ask you and what I should be asking you. So in kind of in looking for clientele, what kind of things are they looking for? So I, as a consumer, let's start there. If I want to join the the system how do i do that like what am so, i looking for yeah so say, say let's say you're just a a normal person like me or you <laughs> say i'm normal no yeah, i don't think that, would that, is, that may not be a, a, the truth but <laughs> um, but just a normal whatever a normal person looks like yeah. i don't really care about anything other than i just want to spend less money for more stuff right that yeah. that's basically that's basically what what i want um, and so that's that's the thing we're trying to make as easy as possible for someone. So instead of you paying $100 for your weekly shop, you can now spend 80 and and you don't have any complication in that. So that to me is fundamental. And if you can make that user experience as simple as booking an Uber, then then you win out, you know, at the end of the day for a consumer. Absolutely. So what do I do? How do I get a hold of you? How do I, how do I know what, that I'm hooked into the system? I'm, I'm invisible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, 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 I got to so, step so, on one foot, bounce around three times. 
<laughs> yeah, that's it, right. the handshake and all that. No, so so the, the <laughs> idea is we don't work with consumers directly. Yeah, so we're not right. a consumer. But how do I, like, I know when I sign up for a points reward card, how do I sign up for this? Yeah, so so, so the, our thought process is in order to do, build a worldwide ecosystem, I'm never going to be able to sign up every consumer in Canada. Come on. So what we do is we find organizations which already have every single customer signed up and, and give them the ability to plug into a better way of rewarding people. So we would approach a bank, let's say in Canada, or we would approach, which is now, now Canada's kind of on the roadmap, but it's not something we're live in. But we find any organization in Canada which wants to outcompete all of their other reward programs with better offers and stronger reward systems and just plug into them. And, and, and they already maybe have 5 million end users who are automatically enrolled into the system. Okay. So if I have this thing called Scene right now, which started off as movie credits, I go and watch so many movies, I get so many points, and I go watch things. Now I can spend it at any restaurant, at any retailer, at any, any thing. So I would go in there, and it's just automatically connected to you if they're connected to you. That's it. So you just okay. you, you, would, you would go into their whatever app it is or um, in terms of the movie. Great idea. Put put that on your list of things to think about. <laughs> so basically, when you when you go into uh, when you go into the uh, the the movies and you get your reward card, presumably they have a website or an app or something where you yeah. check that. What happens is our APIs go into that app, which means that now when you go into that app, it says, "Hey, why not collect more rewards all over the place and use your credits everywhere else?" And and there was no change in your behavior. You just registered within their environment. You're already there, and you start gaining a benefit. From the wider ecosystem perspective, we then, when we're approaching the retailer, have another massive group of customers who we're giving the retailer access to, and we move on to the next one and the next one and the next one. So it's like a two-sided equation where we're the bridge in the middle. Nice. So as a company, are you looking for the companies like Scene to be able to connect with, or are you looking more for... um somebody outside of that that would issue somebody like Safeway or Sobeys that actually uses the scene card as their reward system. Yeah. So it can be any of the above. So it's not, it's not, it's, it's multidimensional. So um, any multidimensional sounds funny. Um, <laughs> multidimensional. I feel like what's his name from back to the future, back to the future. So <laughs> future. So basically the, the idea behind all of this um, process, when you, when you bring the whole thing together is that, if there's a company out there who who's listening to your show, perhaps, or some uh, chief executive or CFO or somebody within those companies, um, and they want the idea of expanding that ecosystem in, and linking it onto credit cards and debit cards and earning more rewards within the ecosystem, they just plug into us. Our website's enigmaticsmile.com, um, which is like the Mona Lisa because she's up to something. Nobody can quite figure it out. Right. But it's <laughs> enigmaticsmile.com. They can read about what, what, we're, what we're up to. And if they want to engage their loyalty program or their bank into the system, they can do. It's, it's, it's as basic and as simple as that. But from a wider ecosystem play um we just want to i guess now onboard more and more merchants we just started india we've got um the top sort of 20 retailers joined us in india and the biggest newspaper groups are starting promoting and onboarding users so so we just work and build collaborative ecosystems with the experts in whichever market that are there and um apply some new ways of thinking in terms of the value matrix to to that uh to, to those partners if that makes sense Thanks. Absolutely. It does. Awesome. So we will, of course, have all your links in the show notes. So peeps, you can go ahead and go and click on those links, of course, open up in a new browser because we're not done yet.
So I, I get to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you're especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Um, <clears throat> when I was selling, I had this friend at school called uh, Wayne, and we used to um, try and figure out how to make money in the school uh, out of selling packets of crisps, out of doing the tuck shops, out of doing everything like this. And by the time we were 16 and 17, we were running discos and club nights for lots and lots of people and hiring DJs. And I, I don't know, it just kind of grew grew from there over time, you know. Um, and, and I think that that was all just ignorant fun at that time. Um, so I'm not sure, I'm not sure where the enthusiasm of that age was just wild and unbridled. And then when it turned into the cold, hard reality of actually having to feed yourself from, from selling, then you have to get reasonably good at selling. Um, and we did that in the most hardcore way possible, selling door to door commission only type stuff. Um, so then leading and training people and developing networks of people. And then at the end of the day, you realize that there's, there's a lot more to business than than just the people and the sales. And and you try and gather all those parts and you chase your tail and you panic and you stress and you go through all the ups and downs and crazy dangerous times and good times and everything. Um, and then uh, hopefully you get a little bit good at it with a little bit of luck and focus and it all kind of works. So, that, so I guess like it's been in my blood since I was a since I was a baby. <laughs> That's awesome. So when was the first time that you hit a million in sales? Well, actually, when I was 24, uh, we had like way over a million in the bank. Um, and uh, that was literally from knocking on doors and training people to knock on doors. Um, and uh, and I, this is coming from a small guy who lives in an island who'd never, at that time, we lived on an island and there was no black people on the islands, right? There was not, nothing like that. I mean, that's how insulated... And behind the times they were, we were, and I, I still remember I went down to London to 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 look for my fame and fortune and start something, and I I still remember the day, and this is just an aside where where black became a difference, yeah, because it it didn't even exist in my brain as a difference. People were just people, and one of my one of my friends told one of my other friends, yeah, but you're black, and my brain sort of folded in, and I went, you're black, but. but I guess so, you know, and I, I still remember that that fold in my consciousness happened. That's how sort of uh, ignorant and naive I was. And I was probably about 19 when that happened to me um, at, that, at that exact moment. And so from there, three, four years later, we were at that level of success. But all we were doing was just getting messed up every single day and just throwing money out and driving Ferraris and and, and like crazy level of madness with no uh, with, and I think inside of myself I had such a deep moral compass that eventually that lifestyle um didn't become important to me anymore I didn't really I wasn't driven by that anymore I wanted to do something more meaningful um and I, I think uh I think it took a good few years to be in the situation where we could and I think that from making a million pounds to losing a million pounds <laughs> to having negative a million pounds, to making a million pounds, to losing it, to making five million pounds, to losing all that, to, be, to, to all the decision-making. I never found making money a problem. Making money is easy, but actually making it into millions and millions and millions of pounds is the hard bit, yeah? The, the, the getting a million pounds is, isn't that hard, yeah? It's, it, which maybe sounds stupid to say, but as long as somebody wants something you got, then it's it's pretty easy. Um, it's it's trying to figure out how you get to 
a business that's worth and pulling in a lot more than that. And that's that's a whole different ballgame. Um, you know, a whole different ballgame. <laughs> so well, in, in this new ballgame, what do you find as kind of paramount? What what are you learning that you didn't know before? What are you trying to put together that you hadn't put together before? You know, it's it it's it, it, it sounds sort of cheesy, I think. Um, but um but if you I hear lots of people say it. If you know what your why is at at the core of everything, mm-hmm. then when the shit, it, what, excuse me, when the shift, <laughs> when the ship hits the wall. <laughs> when, excuse me, uh, beat that out. Um, when when the when the stuff gets impossible to handle and the pressure becomes insane, and you know you're in the middle of a, the vastest ocean where there is no light at all, like literally no light at all. Um, then as long as your why is there strong enough and your, and your why can't be like a personal why, in my opinion, it has to be bigger. It, it, it has to be b- as big as proportion to the success you want. Yeah. So if, I mean, that's why I think my, my why is like, we want to create the biggest worldwide reward ecosystem on the planet. Yeah. Um, and, and even bigger than that. So because that was my why, then when the problems happen, you kind of, as they inevitably do, you, you kind of find a way through. So I think w- without that, uh, everything is worthless. And I think what I've discovered recently, um, as in over the last maybe three years and and back to the future, the, the, the idea of, um, the idea of, the idea of my why has kind of evolved into something um, where it's fused with reality. And so when it sort of fuses with reality, your eyes open. And what, who's that guy that wrote this amazing book called The Science of Getting Rich? Have you, have you read that? Yes, I am. Absolutely. Yeah. Wallace, so William, Wallace. Yeah, that guy, right? William Wallace. That's unbelievable. That is basically how I think yeah, in, in, in every detail of how things are. So what happens is stuff just starts happening and coming to you based on the strength of your why and how you apply it to the individuals you're you're working with on a day-to-day basis. And I think that the most difficult thing is people's perception of you. If they have seen you go down and up, um, everyone wants to be with you when things are on the up and you build and when people doubt it, then and and they see you on the down, then they then they start you know looking down at you or what whatever they do in that way. But when you bring it together and it's all happening, everyone wants to be around you. And as long as you don't, uh, if you kind of use this word of maintaining humility and and just keeping going with with pure focus on your why, it just keeps coming and everything just gets easier and easier and easier and easier. So I think the why and the processes and all the people being put into position to go for to transition from 5 million or 10 million to hundred million is the, is the, is the, the stuff that I'm sort of deep, deeply interested in at the minute is how to learn from others to perfect that part. But there, you know, it's hard to establish those connections with people on that level um, w- without, without a feeling that you're trying to get something from them. That's, that's monetary. Right. Um, so I met some amazing people over the years, billionaires, and they, these guys don't think like, or at least in my experience, they don't think like millionaires and they don't think like 
normal people because it literally is William Wallace level sort of level. Wallace they're, they're D. Wallace. Wallace yeah. D. Wattles. <laughs> get that started there. So I have this theory and feel free to, you know, should do what your heart's content, is that as we evolve, right, when we get to that point of being kind of financially literate, we understand that we're capable of creating wealth, that we go, oh, yay, party time and yay, I got to celebrate me. And I think you have to go through that stage of celebrating you and and maybe not buying the cars and doing all the stuff, but to some extent, it's the buying the houses, the I need to do it on me. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, I got this family I got to take care of. And and that might be your medium family. It might be your extended family. And then you start to notice there's a community. And then you start to notice that there's a globe. And it becomes a global obsession, if you will, uh, whereas it's not about you. And I don't know if that transition is a voluntary transition or if all of a sudden a light bulb just hits in you and it's like you've you're on this journey and all of a sudden you're on a whole new highway. It's like, hey, we're on a new highway. Huh, I, I need a bigger, faster, better car to be able to accommodate this thing and that you're entrepreneurial brain starts to kick in and go, Hey, we could solve bigger problems. We could solve global problems. Is that kind of in your experience, kind of how it went down or was it an intentional sort of, no, I'm getting out of this and I'm going into that. Or how did that all happen? No, mine, mine was, mine was the opposite way. I, by the time I was started 26 or something, mine was hundred percent attentional to where I am now but I didn't intend all the pitfalls and stuff along the way. And it always was focused global, you know, that the why was global. Um, but I do appreciate the, 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 the omnidirectional approach people, people can see it with. I think what's very difficult is that I really don't think it's possible for everyone. And I think it's better that people know what they're capable of before they begin any of this stuff, because it's, uh, I, I don't believe in any way, shape or form that everyone should be an entrepreneur um, because it's just not possible. You know, the, the the way the universe is constructed, in my direct experience, is that um, is that there is a certain group of people whose natural drives are higher than other people's, um, and uh, and they want for higher things than other people's. And it's naturally going to be the case where the guys and the girls with the higher the higher connections um, are in the position to start thinking about putting toilets into Africa and on the opposite side and without any condescension about it, I'm just referencing Bill Gates in that example, but it's natural for the other side to look at somebody and go, what is this guy doing? What is this guy doing? He's trying to control us all and destroy our entire universe and control everything. But really at the same time, he's probably just trying to do the best thing he can do on, on his level or whether it's a Zuckerberg or any of these amazing people that have achieved a lot, they are changing the world in their own ways. Um, and I don't think anybody starts off trying to do things in a bad way to anyone. Um, maybe they end up bad, maybe they end up good, but it's not everyone that can be operating at a Bezos level or an Elon Musk creating rocket ships to Mars. So where where is that, where, where people reach that consciousness that they want to do more for, as you said, their immediate family, there's communities and 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 the next level, global level up, and maybe the moon and Mars and everyone else. Like, at what level do you, as a human, gravitate to? There isn't that many people that go on to the global level of thinking, I, and I don't think that's. Um, I think that's something which would be wonderful if everyone did raise their consciousness to that level. But I think that the 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 game that we exist in 
doesn't allow for the energies necessary to lift everyone to that level. It's a, it's it's something more fundamental than that. I, I, Excellent. Maybe I did well, we will have where... to discover what the fundamentals of those are in another conversation. Fun. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> You've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Um, I say thank you very much for inviting me on. I didn't know what to expect, and hopefully there's at least some level of interest in what I have to say. But thank you very much for uh, inviting me, Michelle. Absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Nobody really knows what to expect on these shows. That's part of the fun of it. <laughs> that is wonderful. I, I just love the fern behind you. You know, it's very good. Uh, I'm going to scan that in a minute and see what, see which amazing yes, profile. Go, go to send that, that'll send you to my uh, LinkedIn. So go ahead and join up and up my uh, connect with me. And, and there you go. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm now a follower. <laughs> thank <laughs> you, Michelle. Thank you. Awesome. For thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for yours. Thank you. Bye-bye. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.